0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Are we live, you guys? Are we on Facebook, Bradley? All right, will everyone in-house say good morning to everyone online? One more time? The trifecta, one more time. Thank you, guys. Good morning, everyone online. Good morning, everyone in-house. If you don't know me and if some of y'all are here to see Joshua Jones, my name is Josiah Hodge. I'm the lead pastor and lead servant here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. And no, I will not be preaching today. You're welcome. Just, just joking. Um, I have a very honored guest, someone who is very special to me and near and dear to my own heart. And so I'm going to share a little personal story uh, of my relationship with Joshua Jones and... I don't think he understands how much he means to me because when I was a freshman in college at Southwestern Christian University, uh, my freshman year of college, I was 18. I was out on my own. I had left the faith. I wanted nothing to do with the faith just because of own personal experiences of things I'd seen and experienced, and I was hurting. I had lost pretty much everything that I really clung to as my identity, and I lost all that in the matter of a couple months. I was lost, and my dad texts me and says, hey, I got someone I want you to meet. His name is Joshua Jones. He's the young adults pastor for Bishop Tony Miller. Now, I had known Bishop Tony Miller because of the fact my dad really admired him and looked up to him for his, for his whole ministry. Um, and so here's Joshua Jones. Joshua Jones shoots me a text, and he comes to hang out with me, and he picks me up from my dorm because I didn't have a car there, and a relationship started to form, and it started to build. And Joshua Jones is really the person that restored a healthy understanding of Jesus for me. And Joshua Jones was someone that I truly believe lived like Jesus, and I hadn't really seen too much of that in my own Christian experience of someone who I believe exudes the identity of what I believe Jesus lived, walked, and talked like. And so Joshua Jones is really the one who set me on the path I'm on today and really the one that we would say led me back to Christ and really sent me on this journey. And so fast forward to uh, five years in the future when I had been the pastor here for about six months, y'all know I was really struggling in my own identity. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why I was the pastor of a church because I never wanted to be the pastor of a church. It was never in the cards of what I thought I wanted to be. And here I was six months in, 24 years old, newly married, about a year and a half, a little boy of eight months old, I had no idea what I was doing, and Holy Spirit told me, reach out to Joshua Jones, and I'm like, this guy doesn't want to talk to me. He and I haven't talked in about five years. He does not want to talk to me. I'm like, why would I just reach out to Joshua Jones randomly? He's got his own stuff going on, and after about fighting that for two weeks or so, I finally bit the bullet, and I, I sent him a Facebook message, and he says, hey, man, give me a call, and I wasn't expecting that because I'm like, he doesn't care. He's got his own stuff going on, and so um, Joshua uh, I call him, and he starts talking about stuff that I had never heard before in my life, and I thought he was a little bit crazy. You can ask my wife. I'm like, I, th- I think Josh is a little bit crazy. I don't, I don't know where he's, where he's gone or what, what he's into these days. Um, but little did I know I was on that same journey. I just didn't know it yet. And so through months of conversations, weekly phone calls, texts, whatever it may be, um, I jumped onto this journey of what we call the gospel journey, what I believe for the very first time in my entire life. And I owe a lot of that to Joshua Jones for where I am today. The preaching I do today, the message I have embraced of the grace of God and the mercy of God, and really a a Christ-centered gospel is due to Joshua Jones and this journey and this group I've really dived into because of him. And so it's an honor for me to have him on a Sunday morning because of how much he means to me. And all these people I bring in, the reason I'm bringing them in is because they're going to give you Jesus without any of the fluff. They're, they're, they're going to give you Jesus without any of the extra stuff. They're going to give you Jesus for who he is and what he's already done. And it's an honor to have Joshua Jones here. So, we all please welcome him up.
1: My friend that was just playing the keys, could you come back for me? Could you begin to play the keys for me? Exactly what you were just playing, even though, um, when the young lady was talking here right before pastor got up she's like you call me young that's right it was just beautiful um everybody say this say the presence of god come on say presence of god yeah i probably i'll probably talk about that today but um i always say that i'm a one-trick pony i only talk about jesus and the gospel uh, we're gonna do that for the rest of eternity so we might as well start now Um, But I just want to say, um, just amen to you and your lovely wife. Once again, I'm honored to be here. And uh, what you were just saying, that's probably probably putting a little jam on the biscuit there. But um, I'm really, really humbled, 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 and honored, honored, honored um, to be here. And uh, I just love your spirit. And it's my first time, I think, um, at meeting your wife today. But I know people by their spirit because Paul said we should know no man by their flesh. In other words, if they're a painter or an auto mechanic, when you meet them, you shouldn't just meet a painter or an auto mechanic. you got to learn to see who people are. Even if you only have a few moments with them, you can see people by their spirit and you can know them. And um, we probably don't know each other as well now as we will, but I want to know you guys both by your spirit, and I'm honored to be here. Sometimes you can meet people, and once again, they may be their carpenter or whatever they may be. Um, but in, their, in the spirit, you've got to understand they are different than that. And I've met people that they may be painters in the natural, but spiritually they're giants in the kingdom. Which is why you've got to learn to know people by their spirit. And so, um, to you, Josiah, and your wife, I can say this. Um, in all sincerity you are more even to this region than what people know you to be because i know you by your spirit and because you guys are proclaimers and livers in the gospel you mean more to this region than this region actually knows that you mean and uh, every region needs a father and a mother and a true son and a true daughter and for this season of your life, I believe you guys are literally exuding the life of Christ. And it is extremely rare. The gospel is most rare in churches. So quiet here. You can hear moth peel on a cotton ball right now. I didn't say that preaching was rare in churches because preaching's not rare but the gospel of Jesus Christ is extremely rare in churches but we are seeing a shift take place right and so I'm just honored to be here um the young lady that was leading worship today are you in here what's her name uh, thank you for just for just being yourself. I don't know how often you get to do that, but thank you for doing that. It was was quite beautiful. really, really moved my heart. You could have sang the last song for two hours, and I would have just continued to cry because it was beautiful. And there was another young lady in the middle. Is she in here? She sang. You are, there's a really special touch of God on your life. Is it Kaylee? Did you say Kaylee? Lily? Lily, I want to just give you a word right from the start. You are growing into what you will one day be known for. And you are not just a singer, Lily. You will be a young woman who, literally, the same way you host the presence of Papa behind closed doors, you will do that on platforms in front of people. But you will not just be a singer you are going to be a hoster <laughs> you are a daughter who just knows the presence of her dad and so how old are you lily 14 it won't take you long i'm going to give you a few years to just literally orient yourself lily to the presence of papa to the presence of dad see jesus jesus called god god twice But every other time he called him Father. And so I call him what Jesus called him, Papa, Abba, Father. I want to challenge you to begin to orient yourself to the presence of the Lord. And that may be funny, but but no, do that. Make it normal to talk to him. I don't care if you're riding to school. I don't care if you're sitting here. Make it normal. Speak out loud to him as if he were physically present. Because the reality is he is. All that will make sense in a few moments as I begin to share what's on my heart today. But just a special touch on your life. God the Father does not come and go. He doesn't come and go from us. He doesn't come and go from you. But we do grow in our awareness of how much He's with us. And I want to challenge you to grow in that awareness. And as you grow in that awareness when you literally sing and host presence in a corporate gathering like this, the same way that you grow in your awareness of how much is with you, that awareness will begin to hit like bombshells in your gatherings where you do it in. But it's just something special in your life that made me weep today as you were singing. And so it really, really touched my heart. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that. Papa, today, I ask that you would Make your heart beat clear. Make your heart beat clear today. May your kingdom come in Colombia, and may your will be done in Colombia to the same degree that it's done in heaven. No fluff, just your heartbeat today, Jesus. Whatever it looks like, I could leave today and they say, "Man, that was the worst thing ever," but Jesus was there, and my heart is full. Jesus, you said as you preach, say that my kingdom is at hand. And I say today over you crossroads that the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning that it's within arm's reach today. In Jesus' name, I bless what you're doing here. As a son of yours, I acknowledge it. And I say, more Lord. I say this on all of my Facebook posts as of late—a Hashtag, more Lord. Of what I see and what I feel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, amen, amen means so be it unto me. So you just said more Lord unto me. You just said more presence unto me. You know, sometimes we say stuff in church because that's just what we do in church. You know, there's always significance to the little things. So when you say amen, you're saying let it happen unto me too. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Thank you, my brother. I just wanted that to help me. And I may call you up in a little bit to do this. Um, I want to talk about the presence of the Lord with you. Can I just do that? I mean, I had this long, really theological, great thing laid out for you. But I want to do something that's quite normal for me. And I want to just talk about the presence of the Lord. Um, One of the struggles that I have is just trying to find a Bible verse for what I want to talk about. Because I have, I have a thousand Bible verses. In America, if you don't read a Bible verse, they don't think it's a legal service. Right? It's not like Paul said, I want to talk about something with you. Open up the scroll to this page. They didn't do that. So that's anyway. I sometimes love disturbing the religiousness of people. Like you don't got to have a Bible verse to talk about God. How do you think people walked with God before we got Bibles in the 1500s? Right? People have walked with God. There are people today that walk with Jesus Christ and they do not have Bibles because Bibles are illegal in their country. But you see what we've done in America? Well, brother, you didn't quote the Bible as if the Bible makes it legal. No, the Spirit of God (laughs) is what makes Himself known to people. Right? And so I'm just going to open up my heart and talk, and I'll give you 15 Bible verses as I talk. Now, if I don't say, in this book of the Bible, in this verse, it says, it doesn't mean that you didn't hear from the Scripture today. Most people don't even know it. They worship the Bible while failing to worship God. We don't even know it. We worship God the Father, God's Son, and God the Holy Scripture when it's really God the Father, God's Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him there was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and His life was the light of all mankind. And he gave light to every man coming into the world. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to bear witness of the light that would give life to all mankind. He was in the world and the world was made through him. But the world did not know him. He came unto his own. But his own did not receive him. But to those that would receive him. To them he gave the power to become sons of God. This was they who were not born of human flesh. Nor of human will. Nor of human blood. But their birth had everything to do with God. And this word came into his own, but his own did not receive him. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, but the world did not know him. But to those that did receive him, he gave the power to become sons of God. And the word became flesh, and it dwelt Among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say this. Say, we were born to be people of presence. We were not born to be painters and preachers and worship leaders and entrepreneurs. Those are things that we do. But I'm talking about who we were born to be. We were first people of presence before we were anything else. If you go to Bible school, they teach you something called the law of first mention. And essentially what that means is, is that when something, if you want to know what something means in the Bible, go back to where it was first mentioned. And it will carry that truth essentially throughout the rest of scripture. The first human being that was made was Adam. And of course, his wife Eve. Eve. And when Adam was made, he was made on day six of God's creation and God's creative order. When Adam took his first breath and opened his eyes, he didn't wake up to a job. The first thing he beheld, even before he beheld his wife that came from his side, is he beheld Papa. The first thing he saw was a father. And he locked eyes with his creator. He saw the pupils of Yahweh. In America, when we read Genesis and it says Adam walked with God, because we're Americans and we're Westerners, we think Adam walked with one person. I submit to you, uh, I submit to you today that Adam walked with three in the garden. Adam walked with father, Adam walked with son, and Adam walked with spirit. I submit to you today that when Abraham met the Lord at the tents of Mamre. The scripture says he met with three people. Adam walked with father. Adam walked with spirit. And Adam walked with the son. He woke up and he laid eyes on the trinity. That is one yet three and three yet one. Adam's greatest delight would not have been the fruit trees in the garden nor the streams that were there nor the gold and the bedellium that the scripture says was there. It would have not even been the landscape. It would have been none of the creatures that was there. His greatest delight as a human being would have literally been the presence of his father. I want to submit to you. See, you asked me to come, so now I'm here. So now you got to deal with all the, the stuff that's about to happen. I submit to you that Adam's greatest delight would not have even been the fact that he got to live naked with his wife every day, and that is a joy. Let every couple in the room say amen. Can't say that in a PH church. and no, I just did because that's in the Bible too. Matter of fact, when I get to heaven one of the first conversations I'm going to say, come here, buddy, let me talk to you. We had the opportunity to live naked with our spouse, and you ruined that. And you're going to have a long list of men in line to talk to Adam about that very thing. And that is both biblically and theologically accurate, by the way. And do you know, to every woman in the building, there was actually a time. This is biblically and theologically accurate. Did you know there was actually a time as a woman? Now, there was only one time in the universe that just happened, but it's happened. That a woman could say, I don't got anything to wear. Let every man say, amen. <laughs> All y'all going to get talked to on your way home because you said amen to that. And there was actually a time on the planet <laughs> where a man could actually say to a woman, you are the only woman for me. But anyway, that is biblically and theologically accurate, and I'm going to keep on moving. Adam's greatest delight would have been to spend moments of time in the presence of his father. When Adam first woke up, he woke up to the raw, unfiltered presence of Yahweh. The scripture paints a picture of Adam living in a garden called Eden. Understand, it wasn't like a garden like the size of this room. Eden would have been the whole Middle East. It lists four rivers that run through it. I mean, it was massive. Literally, it would have been Adam's whole world. The word Eden in Hebrew literally means paradise or pleasure. Adam lived in paradise and pleasure. Not because the ground was beautiful, because that was presence to him. For Adam, his paradise and pleasure was the garden in which the presence of the Lord was first found. For Adam, there would have never been a time that he ceased living in the presence of his dad. But watch what we've done here in America. We say silly things like this. We are going to the house of the Lord as if God lives in drywall buildings. Okay. We say things like this. We are going to the house of the Lord because there we are going to worship the Lord because the presence of God is there. (laughs) That is ludicrous. I'm telling you, Adam walked in a garden called Eden, and there the presence of God was manifest. I should have asked you for a whiteboard. Adam's Eden would have been the garden in which he lived. Watch this. But I'm telling you, Papa's Eden is us. And the garden that our papa loves to most walk in is us. I am his cool of the day. And God and Adam walked together in the cool of the day. I said, I am his cool of the day. Sure, wish you'd stop preaching, Pastor. No, you're used to people trying to make you hoop. I'm telling you something. You are God's cool of the day. You are the garden of God that He chooses to walk in and in and in and in and in every day. And you are no more in the presence of God when you come to this church building than you are when you're sitting at home watching Netflix or cooking food or watching your grandkids play a sport or watering your garden outside or cutting your grass. What church in America has done to us is it has made us think that we're only in the presence of God in a corporate gathering where we have a keyboard and a drum and a guitar and somebody with a microphone. But I want to submit to you today and uproot that lie. I tell you this, that you are as much in the presence of God in your shower or when you're under your automobile changing a spark plug or when you're changing a light bulb or when you're cutting your grass as much as you are when you're in a church building but we have been groomed in America to think that this is when we're in the presence of God. But I submit to you today, no, wrong. You have never been outside the presence of God. Now, you might didn't know that because there wasn't nobody preaching or singing, but you have always been in the presence of God. Because David said, where can I flee from your presence? And whither can I go from your spirit? He said, if I take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost parts of the sea, are you not there? He said, if I make, t- make my bed in hell, are you not there? Sorry for those of you who were taught that hell is separation from God. I pity you for believing that truth. I, f- I feel the spirit of Mr. T on me. I pity the fool. <laughs> we were, grew up believing the lie in church that hell is eternal separation from God. Please read the, please go back and really read the scripture. You can't never be separated from God. If you can find somewhere God isn't, you found a place that is God unto itself. Because nothing exists outside of God. Nothing exists outside of God. And the scripture plainly says even if you make your bed in hell, guess who's there? God. And we have tried, we have projected on God our own thoughts. And the worst thing you can do to any child is to separate them from their parents and say, you'll never see my face again. And yet we think we're better parents than God because we think God would one day separate you from him. Scubula. Just a Greek word for poo-poo, by the way. We need to understand truth. You can't get outside of God's presence. Jonah tried that. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? He's got bigger legs than us. He runs faster. Where are you going to go? He's omni, which means all, present. He's everywhere at all times. He's in all places at every moment. Where are you going to go? What rock will you hide up under? Where are you going to go, Adam? Because even when you sin, sin doesn't take you out of my presence. Oh, Brother's not what my pastor grew up telling me. I'm sorry that he took text out of context. And when you take context, and when you take text away from context, you're left with one word, con. What can your natural children do to make them never be your children again? Nothing, right? Come on. Nothing, right? And we're not perfect. But yet we think a perfect God who is perfect love that you can actually do something to never be his again. <laughs> Meaning we're better parents than God. Isn't the gospel Beautiful. Before we were anything else, we were first sons and daughters of his presence. It's the life source of anything. Anything separated from its life source dies. You take a fish out of water, it dies. Because fish were created in water for water. You take a plant out of the ground, it dies because they were created from the ground. Their life source is in the ground. We call them falling stars, falling from the heavens. They were meant for the heavens. They fall. We call them dying stars. They die. You were not created from the water. You were not created from the heavens. That's not our source. You and I were not created from the dirt. Your body is, but before that, your first spirit when God wanted to make animals and plants, he spoke to the ground. And the thing holding them released what was in them. And they were sourced from the ground. When he wanted to see creatures, he didn't say, he didn't just say, let there be fish. No, no, no. He spoke to the thing that was holding the fish, and that was the waters. And the waters began to team with life. They came from the waters. When he wanted you and me, he didn't speak to the heavens. He didn't speak to the dirt. And he didn't speak to the waters. When he wanted you and I, guess who God spoke to? Himself. And the Bible says he created everything, everything with his words. But when he got to you and me, he used his hands and he spoke to himself and he said, let us make man in our image. And out of God we came. And he molded a body for us from the dirt, but he got down as it were on his hands and knees if God ever had to do such a thing. And he went... And he breathed into mankind his own breath. And the Bible says that man became a living nephesh soul. When you blow this into a balloon, what did you blow into that balloon? You say, well, I just, I blew air. No, no, no. You blew your own life into the balloon. And when God did this, Adam goes, (gasps) And he did what we will one day do for all eternity. He beheld the image of the one whose image he himself was created in. And Adam walked with Abba in the cool of every day. The Hebrew word for presence is panim, P-A-N-I-M. And the best way Hebrews can translate that word as this. It means face. The Hebrew word for presence is best translated face. Okay? So to, to say that I'm in the presence of God is to literally say I'm in the face of God. You do not want to talk to somebody and they turn their back to you. Even in America, we say that's disrespectful. Adam walked with and in the presence of God. It is to say he walked with and literally in the face of God. <laughs> to say, watch this now. See, if the gospel's so simple, it takes church to complicate it. So we have to talk about things in a way that a five-year-old can understand them. To say that I'm in the presence of Josiah means this. If I'm in your presence, it denotes that I'm actually close to his person. Would you agree? To say that I'm in your presence denotes that I'm close to your person. When we say, I feel the presence of the Lord, or I'm in the presence of the Lord, we're literally saying, his person's here. Whew. So when you say, I feel the presence of the Lord, literally it's him saying, my person is close. So even here, when they were singing the song, and tears begin to slowly stream out of the corner of my eye. Now, I felt the presence of the Lord, but I knew that his person is here via the Holy Spirit. You hear that? Come on, now do you feel that? Now watch this. Now, the Lord, write this down. The presence of the Lord is always, watch this. He is omnipresent. Omni meaning all, present meaning here. So he's always here. He's everywhere present. What is not always true in a way that's tangible, even though he's always omnipresent, he's not always manifest present. What does that mean? It's not always evident. But just because it's not evident doesn't mean it's not true. I would throw this microphone if I didn't have to buy another <laughs> one. And I want to tell y'all something. I, I wish your worship leader was here for this. Make sure she goes back and listen to this. I want to tell you something that will help you immensely. See, I don't. when I talk to people, man, I don't, I don't preach good sermons anymore. I'm probably not a really good preacher. I wouldn't say but I try to talk about stuff that will impact and change your life. Like if you, if you say, if you ever hear me preach somewhere, you'll say, no, that, either that was really good or really bad. It's really true or it's really wrong. Either that is really applicable, and if I do it, it's going to make an immediate impact or it won't. Understand this. See, I am a worship leader. You're a worship leader? Not like you think. Not, not like, like I don't get on stage and lead worship. Don't, but don't get it twisted. I, I don't use the term lead pastor at my church. I'm, I'm called the lead follower. Paul said, if you want to know what it's like to follow Christ, he said this. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Meaning if you follow me, you'll figure out how to do it. I am the lead worshiper at my church. I'm the lead follower. Why? I'm not, I'm not the pastor that sits out back and they start worship and I come in three songs and I don't do that. I'm always up front. I'm the lead follower. I'm the lead worshiper at my church, but I, I worship when I'm off stage. Watch this: we don't worship to get presents to come. You know how we do that? In most churches, we're gonna worship until the presence of the Lord comes. We go, you know, we do three fast and two slow, whatever it is. Some, some songs. Some of the biggest churches right now in the country are in my city. Actually, the largest church in the country is all in my city. It's the seedbed of my city. It's called Life Church, and we have some other churches there that are really, really, really large. And their worship service is between ten and twelve minutes, four songs. I want to say, who are you worshiping for? We worship with what we're comfortable with. You don't worship to get God to come. Because God ain't never went anywhere. He's always there. Understand that God the Father did not ask Adam where he was because him and Adam were playing hide and go seek and God's like, I lost him. He He got behind the right tree, I lost him. Okay, Adam, you win, come out. I'm waving the white flag. God is omnipresent. He built Eden for Adam. He knew every tree, every blade of grass Every dewdrop was specifically designed for the enjoyment of the son by his father. He asked Adam where Adam was because Adam didn't know where Adam was. You oftentimes don't know you're lost until you're just really, really lost. God is omnipresent. So we don't worship trying to set the atmosphere as if God says, I'm going to wait till you get the song right where I like it and then I'm going to come in. That's not what, that's not, you know, that happens all over our country right now. And then another thing that I hate and it grieves the heart of God, well, we're just setting the atmosphere for the preacher. Please, no, you're not. No, you're not. We don't worship like we're trying to win his affection. Man, that is the most heretical, off-base thing. We worship not hoping to get his attention today if we do the next big Bethel song or Elevation or whatever it is of your song of choice. We worship not To get God to come, He's never had to go anywhere. He is omnipresent. Paul says of God that He feels all in all. He's everywhere. He's in every blade of grass. He's in every raindrop. He's in every ounce of wind that ever blew. He's in every ray of sunshine. He's in every human being. Contrary to popular belief, if you can find anything that God is not in, that thing would cease to exist. We don't worship trying to get God to come as if he's this cosmic abuser that sometimes you have his affection and sometimes you don't. He's not a Greek god. He's not like Zeus, the god of heaven, Hades, the god of the underworld, Poseidon, the god of the sea, which in Greek mythology, they believe that sometimes you have his favor and sometimes you don't. So sometimes God could be with you and sometimes he wouldn't. Sometimes he comes when you do good and sometimes he leaves when you do bad. Does that sound familiar? Wonder where that came from. But Isaiah prophesied 800 years before the birth of Jesus. And he said, I see the day coming that a virgin will conceive and she will give birth to a son. Isaiah 7 and 14. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Which means what? God. I'm not God with you when you get it all right. And then I'm God, I'm gone when you make a mistake. He didn't say that. He said, He will be God with us. Lo, I'm with you. Always, even to the end of the age. I'm glad he didn't say, lo, I'm with you always when you keep the commandments only. But I will be Emmanuel and I'll be with you and you don't seem to get me to come. Watch this. You know what your worship does? Your worship makes you aware of the God who's always been there. And what worship does is it takes my broken focus from way out here. And worship in moments in time focuses my gaze so that I can become aware, watch this, of the God who's always been aware of me. I said worship lets me become aware of the God who's always been aware of me. And in my times of struggling in my faith, Josiah, while I was struggling with pornography and all this stuff, man, and I felt like I was separated from God and I now know that it was religion that made me feel that way but he was always with me I'll never forget and I'm so far off base I'll never forget my brother going to a party as a college student and someone was trying to be funny and they put something in his drink and it messed him up Cell phones were just coming out. My dad got a call. Can you come back to the keys, my friend? Maybe just play the same thing. Maybe just a hair bit slower. My dad got a phone call from this party that my brother was at. And um, they just basically said, are you Joseph's dad? My dad said, yeah. Why you got his phone? He said, well, he's sick. You need to come pick him up at this party. My dad's like, party? What party? We didn't even know he was at a party. My dad goes to this party, and he knocks on the door. And the young man who was hosting this party answers the door. And he said, Hey, my son's in there, He's sick. Somebody call me. He slams the door in my dad's face. I'm in the car watching. I'm like, Oh, this is about to get really good. really good. See, I'm the youngest out of three brothers. I'm by far the best looking, but I am the youngest. And I got the mic, so it's my story, so you got to believe my story. So I'm sitting in the car, you know, with popcorn, like, oh, this is about to get really good. My dad knocks on the door again. The same young man, he said, hey, my son's name is Joseph. I got a call that he's here. He's not doing what I need to get. The guy slams the door again. My dad, for the third time, knocks on the door. Pastor, by the way, he knocks on the door. The young man comes. He didn't let my dad talk. He goes to shit at my dad put his foot in the door. He said, I'm not going to ask you again. I'm coming in to get my son. He's there. My dad goes and finds him. He's in a back room. He had urinated on himself and vomited on himself. I don't know what, we don't, to this day, we don't know what drug or chemical they put in his drink. Do You know, my brother, there's music still going. They're eating, having a good time. My brother has urinated on himself and vomited on himself. And my dad finds him in a back room. His friends had left him in there. You know what my brother said? My brother said, why are you here for? You're embarrassing me. My dad said, excuse me? He said, yeah, you're embarrassing me here. My dad said, I'm embarrassing you? I'll never forget this question. My dad said, whose last name do you have? And my 19-year-old brother, my dad bends down, picks him up. Didn't say, get the urine off you first. Didn't say, get the vomit off you first. Picks him up, marches him through that party, puts him in the car, takes him home, takes office clothes for him, puts him in the bath, shower, showers him, puts him in his underwear. By this time, he's coming through. This a couple hours later. Puts him in the bed. I'll never forget my dad telling him. He said, regardless of what you do, Regardless of who you do it with, regardless of how bad it is, as long as there's life in my body, I'm coming to you if you need me. You can't sin and make me not come. You can't do wrong and make me not come. Because my presence for you as my son will never be an option. No, listen to me. My presence for you as my son will never be an option. I will never forget that man. And what we've done in the church here in the West is we've made presence to be an option. Like God comes and He goes. Like you got to win his affection. No, you don't. You have it whether you like it or not. I'm teaching our family in Edmund as it is in heaven, I'm teaching them this. What we do in worship is we hone our awareness. And I'm learning that the difference between omnipresence and manifest presence isn't whether or not God is in the room or God is even in me. It's how aware I choose to be of his presence in any given moment of any day. You know what my Sabbath day is now? Every day. Every day. Because I'm built for presence. And the presence of Jesus right now is bound up inside of unbelieving believers. We have become atheistic followers of Jesus. Unbelieving believers. But I sense a reformation thing. And I wonder, I wonder that in Columbia, South Carolina, in the dirty South, is it possible that God can take a wineskin like Crossroads? Watch this, seeped in denominational background. Watch this, seeped in the South. Watch this, one that has even been seeped in. Religion, if we'll be honest, because I grew up in this region. Is it possible that God can reorient us to his presence? So much to a degree that we could say whether I'm in a quote-unquote church building or whether I'm at Home Depot, that we could know we are in the presence of God at all times and at all places. Do you know where church is? Church is wherever you are. Because the church has never been drywall and chandeliers and musical instruments. When Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail, he was not talking about a building. He was talking about the ecclesia, sought out, separated ones. He was talking about human beings, individuals who are not perfect, broken, put back together by his grace. That is the church. And so when I'm in a Chick-fil-A, I know I'm in the presence of God at Chick-fil-A. Ain't no doubt about that, bro. That's just... I mean, pre-blessed. You seen that video? Pre-blessed. I know I'm in the presence of God. But I'm in the presence of God at Home Depot. I'm in the presence of God at Walmart. I'm in the presence of God at Kroger's. I'm in the presence of God cutting my grass. And God's presence is in me. So I, you want to know what the move of God looks like? Watch this. You want to know what the move of God looks like? Watch this. Yeah, but I mean, the house of God is Moses' tabernacle, right? Is it? That was just a, a multi-layered skin tent that housed God. But when you get the Gospel of John, when I quoted those 14 verses to you this morning, in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and Word was God. Go down 13 verses, and the Word became flesh and dwelt, or tabernacled again among us. Jesus was the skin tent of his day inside of that skin was the raw presence of God <laughs> and then Paul would go on to write these pagans at the church of Corinth and 2 Corinthians I believe it is 316 or 1 Corinthians 316 there's some beautiful three sixteens in the Bible we know John but there's a lot more than that and he would write them and he'd say don't you know that your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit do you know that God lives in mobile homes no, listen to this. Listen to this. Didn't you know? Didn't you know that you are divine real estate? <laughs> didn't you know that you are divine real estate? No, didn't you know that you are a house fit for a king? I don't know where they are here, but you have what we call wealthy neighborhoods. You know the ultra wealthy live there? In my neighborhood, we have a place that our NBA players live It's called Galardia. People Rob, man, i like to live there. I'm like, please, man. Why? Because they got a longer driveway and a bigger house, more drywall than you. You think that's special? You got the wrong metric. I am a house that God himself lives in. If I were God, I would have put my house about a mile in the sky so human beings could fly around and they would say, they would say that's where God lives. Maybe, maybe over one of the, the nine wonders of the world. But God said, I got a better idea. I want to take broken humanity made in my image and in my likeness. And I want to put my spirit on the inside of them. And I want for all of eternity, all of the cosmos will give witness of the fact that I chose to live in them. Paul said, our God does not live in temples made by the hands of men in Acts 17. Well, what kind of temples does he live in? He only lives in houses in the Bible. He only lives in houses that he himself designs. So I choose to live inside of you. So when you want to find out where God is, you never have to look outside of you. And Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, and he said, let me go ahead and tell you what we'll marvel at at the end of the ages. Let me go ahead and tell you what all of humanity and the cosmos is standing on their tippy-toes waiting to hear. I'm going to tell you the end of the story. I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. He said, the goal of the mystery has always been this. It has never been God somewhere out there in front of you. It has never been God somewhere behind you. It has never been God, so to speak, up in the heavens. It has never been God anywhere outside of you. He said the mystery of the ages that will one day be revealed, I'm going to reveal it to you right now. He said it has always been and it will always be Christ in you that has always been the hope of glory. What? What? It has never been Christ somewhere out there. He said it has always been Christ in
2: you, the
1: hope of glory. So where is the presence of God at now? Whoa. Whoa. We have to host them well. Can I share one story with you and I'll be done? How many of you guys give me five minutes by show of hands? Five minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30 We good. i got time. We good. We good. I used to live in a little town called Laurenburg, North Carolina. And I um, had a friend who lived at a, on a golf course there. His name was Clint Lowe's. I have no clue what Clint's doing today. He was my high school friend. My mom would clean houses. She did multiple jobs, but one of the things she did on my side, Josiah, she cleaned homes. And i never forget, she got a job to go clean this house, or this golf course. I don't even know what the golf course is called there. I was trying to think. But she goes, and it's my friend's house. I'm with my mom helping her clean. It was clean. He's like, man, wow, good to see you. i was like, cool, man. And he lived in this really beautiful home on a golf course. It wasn't long. He was like, hey, after a few weeks of doing that, he was like, man, you want to spend the weekend here? Do I want to spend the weekend there. Man, I live in John Station. I wanna, yes, I want to come spend the weekend here. I go, and I spend the weekend with him. I'll never forget. I go to spend the weekend there. His mom was so gracious and kind. She knew I was coming. Now, listen, I've been the same size since ninth grade. You don't got to tell me. Anyway, I have no, I am not insecure about my size. Uh, People always confuse me with Dwayne Johnson. Y'all know who Dwayne Johnson is? I get confused with him. People, I don't know why, but anyway. So I always tell people, it's either between Dwayne Johnson or Mowgli. Somewhere between there, they confuse me. But most of the time, it's Dwayne Johnson. So I go to her house, and she could tell by the size of my wrist, I get cold easy. Okay, so they have this little chair they had made up for me. And beside the chair was a blanket. And it was like I'm at a, like a hotel or something. And they had a little box of treats there. And asked my mom what I liked. And I'm like, ooh, I like this. So I sit down there. She's like, you cold? You know what? I Actually, I am. She said, there's a thermostat. You can adjust it whatever you want. So I go and I bump it up a couple of notches. They're watching a the movie. We're watching the movie. And I sit down. I take the blanket and I put it over me. And she's like that chair. You know that button on the side. You can hit it and it'll go back. Well, we didn't have that in my house. Like we was not poor in my house. We was po, p o. We couldn't even further the other o and the r. And we just. So I hit the button. I think like. Boo. I'm like, oh man, this is nice. See, I mean, I'm gonna be really raw with y'all. I'm Native American Indian. Clint was white. I'm like, man, y'all white folks living it up in here. This is what I'm talking about. I man, I need to get in some of these white neighborhoods because where I grew up, Trailer Park, it's just different. This is nice got my blanket. I got this recliner. I got this snack bowl here. I got water. I'm enjoying the movie. I haven't been there two hours. I'm already telling myself, oh, I'm coming back here. He don't even know, but I'm coming back here. You know what they did well? You know what they did well to me? Watch this. They hosted my presence well. I said they hosted my presence well. When I moved to Edmund. Josiah, the Holy Spirit, he never told me to go build a church. He said, I want you to build a family and teach them to host my presence well. That's what he told me. I said, I don't know how to do that. And he said, remember what Clint Lowes and his family did with you when you was there? They tailored everything to you. He said, teach them to tailor their lives around you. if you've ever been to a place and you weren't hosted well, you already tell yourself before the end of your visit, I don't think I want to come back here and I'm telling you, there are some individuals, they have so mastered their lives with hosting presence, it is is as if God himself likes to be with them, and the truth is he does my baby girl, her name is Sailor she's 8, going on 78 she runs my whole household She pure abuses my older son. He's older, but she whoops him all the time. She has me so whooped, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's bad. She she wants to do everything with me. Not my boy, my girl does. That where you going? to the bathroom, I'll go. No, I'm good. Like she's literally that way. I can, she knows how she, if I open the front door, she's like, Dad, where are you going? Mailbox. That's where I'm going. You stay here. No, I want to go with you. I'm like, oh. But she loves my presence. And I always tell my wife, I said, she only doing what she see you do. My wife's like, yeah, you wish. I'm like, yeah, you wish. So in my house, my wife calls me Big Daddy J. No, she doesn't. But I tell her to call me that, but she hasn't done it yet. But like, she's, she's growing in the Lord, so she's still, she's growing in her sanctification level. But my daughter loves my presence. What would it be like if we loved our Father's presence? I'm going to say this and I'm done. Some of you. And don't take this the wrong way. But you have a Sunday affection for Jesus. I'm grateful that my wife doesn't just love me on one day of the week. Or maybe a Wednesday night. I'm in covenant with her. I have union with her. I get to love her every day of my life.
2: And to worship you I live. To worship you. I live, I live to worship you. And to worship you I live. To worship you. I live, I live to worship you. There's times I just get alone and I just stir my heart up. And I sing to worship you. I live to worship you. I live. I live to
1: worship you. You don't gotta have a beautiful voice to worship. Matter of fact, singing is one way we worship, it's not the only. You could could get along and just say, God, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes in silence and I'm going to give them to you. And God says, that's worship too. We made it way too difficult. You never do nothing honestly. You don't do anything that's not worship. Your breathing
2: can be worship. I can say, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same I live to worship you when I was a boy the only
1: thing I knew a big, like a big worship group to me was the Gaithers man, because I grew up, we were southern, southern gospel I didn't know nothing about it. they weren't even a Bethel out then I remember getting uh, a Gaithers CD when I was learning this kind of stuff around 17 and 18 And I told the Holy Spirit, I said, I'm going to put this on repeat in my bedroom for you today. Because I know you love it. And I I hit it play. And I would go and I worked for the sanitation department of Lombard dumping trash. And I came home and it took about three weeks. I would come home. I was literally expecting to walk in my room and see Jesus sitting on the corner of my bed, man. Is that too real for you? Some of us, we need to get there. After about three weeks of letting the gathers play, I remember coming home one day. Man, it was hot. It was in the summer. This particular day, we were going through the projects. Man, I was smelly, flies, just a mess. I come home, and I, I honestly forgot about it. I opened my door in my bedroom, and I hit what I, the only thing I know to call it, is I hit a wall of presents. Boom. <clears throat> Nobody had to say, throw up your hands and get on your knees. My, out of my spirit, my instant go-to thing was this. Just, like, what do I do? I didn't have to have a worship leader. I just instantly knew, I'm supposed to worship because he was there. Because I had been, it was my date. Well, my, I put on my, my calendar yesterday. I bought this thing to take my wife with. This, this comedian's coming to town. I know my wife wanted to go, so I bought it yesterday. I put it on my calendar. I tagged my wife on my calendar. On my calendar right now, it's, it's in October. It's, it's like October 16th or something. It says, hot date with my wife. Well, I knew this morning she saw it because she liked it. Like Big Daddy J to the win again now. <laughs> but because I'm serious about that time with my wife, I calendared it. I did that for three weeks with the Lord. And he was waiting to see if I was going to keep those appointments. But I, when I had forgot about it, Josiah, I walked in and he met me there. I think marked my life, man. Stand to your feet with me. I just, it's probably a horrible job of a message, but I, I hope that you caught the heart of God.